Welcome to the MPC Podcast. I am Tim W. Gill, pastor of Medora Pentecostal Church, and I'm thrilled that you've joined us today. Here at MPC, we are committed to bringing hope and building lives. One way we do that is through this podcast. Thank you for listening, for sharing and reviewing what we do here. It is our desire to connect with you, and you can find us on Facebook, or you can find us at our website, medorachurch.com. It is our prayer that today's message inspires you, encourages you, and that the kingdom of God is advanced in your life. Let's get right to the word of the Lord today. Get your Bibles, and let's get to the word of the Lord tonight. I'm going to start with one passage of scripture, but it sure will not be the last passage that we look at tonight, but I want this to be where we begin and uh, our launching pad for this message tonight and lesson. Praise God. I, I do feel stronger in my voice. Thank the Lord for that. But I may not holler at you near as much as normal. So uh, some of you are thanking the Lord for that. <clears throat> Uh, how about Pastor David's message Sunday night? Oh my, thank the Lord for that. You were not here, I encourage you to go back and watch it. A very encouraging message. <clears throat> Taken from the Psalm, 23rd Psalm, chapter 6, or 23rd Psalm, chapter, uh, verse 6 rather. Psalm 23 and 6. Can we read it together? Aloud, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Again, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I claim that verse in the name of Jesus for me. Praise God. I claim that for me tonight. Will you do the same? Hallelujah, Lord. We praise you, Lord. We thank you, God. Hallelujah. I want to talk to you tonight about goodness pursues me. Goodness pursues me. Turn to three people and tell them his goodness pursues me. Praise God. The song a while ago that they sang so powerful, all my life you've been faithful. I know the old song, there was one that says he's never failed me yet. You could take the yet out. He's never failed me. All my life you've been faithful. All my life you have been faithful. So good. With every breath that I am able, I want to sing of the goodness of God. Why? Because your goodness is running after, running after me. No matter how chaotic your life gets, his goodness wants to pursue you. Amen. It's running after you. And I thank God that he's a good God. He's a good God. Something that is good refers to something that is praiseworthy. He's a good God. 
Something that is good means that, that it is useful, productive, or of a high quality. Something that is good is something that has inerrant value, special value. It's beneficial. Amen. It's good. God is good. God is good. God is good. All the time. God is good. He's good not because he possesses good qualities. He is good because that is who he is. He is good all the time. When I don't understand it, he's good. When I don't have it figured out, he's good. Amen. God is good for he is morally perfect and gloriously holy. There is none like him. The psalmist said things like this. The Lord is good to all in his tender mercies over all his works. He said, I give thanks unto the Lord for he is good for his mercy endureth forever. The psalmist said, oh, how great is thy goodness. How great is thy goodness. How great is thy goodness. Has God been good to you? Has God been good to you? Amen. Something that is good is something that has a, a, a desirable quality about it. It's pleasing. It expresses that this is something that is approvable or, or something that is, is, is skilled or wonderful, useful, advantageous, beneficial. God is good. God is good. God alone is intrinsically good. There is none good but he. The Bible's the Bible speaking in Matthew chapter 19 and verse 16. And behold, one came to Jesus and said, Good master, what good thing shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? Then look what the Lord's response was. Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, and that is God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. There is one good. Oh, there's a lot of good people in the world. Yeah, but there's only one that's good, and it's God. He's good all the time. He's good in his character. For the psalmist said, For thou, Lord, art good and ready to forgive and plenteous in mercy unto all them that call upon thee. Lord, you're good intrinsically. Your character is good. You're good, O Lord Jesus, in what you do. For the psalmist also said, Thou art good and do is good. The King James says, Thou art good and doest good. Lord, you are good and you do good. You are good and you do good. Hallelujah. When we get through the eyes of the world, the world sees all the evil in the world and says, well, that's God. Or they, something goes bad. Well, that can't be God. Well, let me just tell you, the story isn't written yet. Don't try to put God in a box when you feel like something bad has happened in your life and say, God is bad. Well, it's not done yet. You're still living and breathing. I got a feeling everything's going to be all right. Because he's good. He's a good God. That's why the psalmist said in the Psalm 23, that great shepherd psalm, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Somewhere behind me, mercy is chasing me. Somewhere behind me, mercy and goodness is coming after me. Everywhere I go, his goodness is coming after me. Can you thank the Lord today that he's a good God? He's been good to you. 
The story of Moses and the children of Israel reads like a crazy roller coaster ride. Up, down, in, out, shouting, weeping, highs and lows. Moses goes up to Mount Sinai at the commandment of God, and, and he is there getting directions from the Lord, and he's there for 40 days in the presence of God, and the Lord is moving and speak to him. But Moses delays his coming down from the mountain. Rather, God delays Moses coming back down. And you know what the delay did to a lot of the people of Israel? It frustrated them. It aggravated them. They got impatient. They said things like this. We don't know what's happened to Moses. We don't know where he is. And, and, and so in this moment of delay, they become frustrated. Commentator David uh, Zurich offered this insight. How we handle God's ordained delays is a good measure of our spiritual maturity. How we handle delays is a good sign of where we are with God in our trust in our faith, in our walk. Well, I don't have it yet. Well, I'm still going to believe. I'm not going to give up because I think that I haven't got what I thought I was supposed to have when I thought I was supposed to have it. And God didn't show up how I wanted him to show up. Therefore, I'm throwing everything into the, the, the path of the golden calf. So the people said to Aaron, up, make us gods, which shall go before us. Which shall, we want something to go before us because Moses, this man that brought us out of the land of Egypt, we don't know what has become of him. So we want something that we can see. We want something that we can feel. We want something that we can push because it sure couldn't lead them. We want a God that we can control. We want a God that will move with us. With our ideas. Impatience sets in, and in a season of revelation, that is a dangerous thing. You've got God revealing fresh things to Moses on the mountain and the people impatient. Can I just tell you, don't get impatient about revival. Don't get impatient about soul winning. Don't get impatient when things seem like they're not progressing like you would like for them to be. God's up to something. God is up to something. Well, Lord, you're not moving in my family like I thought you would. God's still up to something. So the people said, come on, Aaron, we need action right now. Make us gods to go before us. It's a dangerous thing to change your worship in midstream, to change to idol worship. Amen. In Exodus chapter 32 and verse 4, it says, he received them at their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool after he had made it a molten calf and they and and they said these be thy gods o israel which brought you out of the land of egypt what a statement they were delivered by jehovah by the mighty hand of god walked on dirt through the Red Sea, God blessed them and watched Pharaoh and all of his forces drown in the Red Sea. And now they're saying because we're impatient about what God is doing, we want something that we could say, this is the God. This is the one that brought us out. How many people today are saying, I can do this on my own. I can do this by my own power. I'll do this by my own knowledge. And then I'll call it something like, oh, a God. A God. 
I'm reminded of years ago. I don't know if you remember Shirley MacLaine. Shirley MacLaine was a Hollywood actress that was really big into all of this humanistic uh, uh, with, with uh, the crystals and the chants and the, and the who's and the how's. And, the, and she called herself a god. She called herself a god. Amen. And one time it is reported that she stood on the shores and the, uh, of, the, of the Pacific Ocean, on the beach of the Pacific Ocean in California, and made this declaration. I am God. I am God. I often think about that statement, and I wonder what God thought when he stepped on the portals of glory off the edge of the universe in the glories of heaven and looks down, and there's this little voice that says, I am God. How ridiculous that seems. How, how insignificant we are. But I want to tell you, there is a world today that is making themselves out to be God and that they're going to make their path and they're going to put a golden calf that they can push, that they can tell, and that they can show that, see, we're going to make it all the way. But I say there's a God in heaven that says, I am against that. Matter of fact, God was so frustrated with what was going on in the, in the valley that he preempted his time with Moses and said, you better get down there before I start killing them all. You better get down there because I'm about to wipe them all out and I'll raise up Israel to you. I'll raise up a whole nation to you and lead you into the promised land. But, the, but, but, but thank God the people ought to realize they had a leader that loved them enough to intercede for them. They loved them enough to say, I know you have turned to your idol worship, but we better do something about this. We know that they, what they did was not only despicable by, by the fact that they made a calf, but Aaron allowed them to have debaucherous worship. They uh, disrobed themselves. They went into a frenzy worshiping this, this calf. Amen. Out of worship always turns into an idolatrous party. It will always turn into a party that, that, that leads people astray. The Bible said they rose up early in the morning and offered burnt offerings and, and placed peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and drink and they rose up to play. Moses, you had better get down there. Your people, he said it like this, your people whom you led out of Egypt. I want to say that probably was the first indication that Moses knew he better do something because it wasn't his people and he didn't bring them out of Egypt. The Lord did. <clears throat> they corrupted themselves with the cow. They corrupted themselves with the cow. And God says, the King James calls them stiff-necked. Amen. We would say stubborn and hard-headed. <clears throat> the Lord even told Moses this. He said, leave me alone while my wrath is waxing hot. Leave me alone. My wrath is waxing hot against them. And that I may consume them. I want to consume them. I want to destroy them. The Lord is saying, I had had enough. Let me at them. I want to tell you, I don't want to be living in a generation that says, I'll be our God and the Lord. When the day comes, it will be fulfilled that the cup of iniquity will reach the tipping point and the Lord will say, I have had enough. Leave me alone while my wrath begins to be poured out. 
I don't want to be here then. I want to be in his presence then. Hallelujah. I want to be worshiping around his throne at that time. But Moses intercedes and employs the Lord to turn from his fierce wrath and have mercy. And this is what he said in Exodus 32 and 13. Lord, remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. Lord, remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. Lord, do you remember what you promised in the past? Thy servants to whom thou swearest by thine own self and saidest unto them, I will multiply your seed as the stars of heaven and as the land I have spoken of will I give unto your seed and they shall inherit it forever. And the Lord repented. The Lord changed his mind of the evil which he thought to do unto his people. When Moses saw that he had an opportunity that he, he better intercede. I want to tell you, you and I better intercede for this hour that we're living in. We need to intercede for our government. We need to intercede for those that are in leadership. We need to intercede for backsliders and intercede for God to move in the hearts of people because this is the last days when the love of many is waxing cold. Oh God, let my love be alive for you. Let me not build some kind of crazy golden calf uh, that I do by my own self. So Moses comes down and when he sees the worship that they had, can I just tell you, debauchery in this world is idol worship. Debauchery is idol worship. Sexual perversion is idol worship. It's always been that way. That's the way it was in Scripture. That's the way it is today. What did Moses do with the tablets of stone? Anybody remember? Remember what he did when he come down off the mountain? He had the tablets of the law that, he, that God had made, and he was carrying them now. Anybody know? He threw them down. It was like, can you imagine the visual impact? He knew what was going on because God already told him. But when he saw it, he could not contain himself. And he threw the law down. And it broke all to pieces. And the next thing you find is that he stood by the gate and began to declare, Who is on the Lord's side among you? Come and join me. And the Bible declares that all the Levites came and the Lord began to pronounce judgment on their idolatry and said, put your sword on your side and go from gate to gate and slay man, brother, and companion. And at the end of that, 3,000 men were slain. I want to say the Old Testament teaches us that God does not put up with idolatry. The New Testament teaches the same thing. But there is repentance. I do not have to die. Amen. I have to die out to flesh. We pick up the narrative in Exodus 32 and 30. And it came to pass on the morrow that Moses said unto the people, Ye have sinned a great sin. And now I will go up unto the Lord, preadventure. I shall make an atonement for your sin. I want to get you right with God. And Moses returned to the Lord and said, Oh, this people have sinned a great sin and have made them gods of gold. Yet now if thou wilt forgive their sin. One of the most interesting 
what do you call it, symbols? The dash that's right there? One of the most interesting symbols in all of Scripture is that. There was not a word put to describe the skin. But it was so bad that when the Lord inspired the word, it was just simply a dash. Here's your sin. I can't put it into words, and I won't put it into words. I wonder how many dashes the Lord is writing about this generation. I won't put it into words. I won't say amen. But will you forgive their dash? Lord, will you forgive their debauchery? Lord, will you forgive their party making? Lord, will you have mercy on your people? Verse 33, the Lord said unto Moses, Whosoever hath sinned against me, him will I blot out of my book. Therefore now go lead the people unto the place which I have spoken to thee. Behold, my angel shall go before thee. Nevertheless, in the day when I visit, I will visit their sin upon them. And the Lord plagued the people because they made the calf, or because they made the calf which Aaron made. They made the calf. What did Moses do? Moses takes the temple, the tabernacle, and he moves it outside of the camp. And he begins to separate the holy from this profane. Anyone who sought the Lord had to go outside of the camp. I want to tell you, outside the norm is where you will find your answer. Outside of a little bit repentant prayer will be where you find your answer. Outside of just simply going through the normal routine, amen, Moses said, we're going outside of rebellion. We're going outside of the idol worship. We're going outside, and we're going to go face to face with the Lord and have a conversation with the holy God of Israel. Thank God for leaders that will decide to simply say, I will intercede. I will find a way. We got to find a way to get back to God. We got to find a way to get our church on track. We got to find a way to get our family on track. We got to find a way to see the glory of God in our lives. Exodus 33, 11, And the Lord spake unto Moses face to face as a man speaketh unto his friend. And he turned again to the camp. But his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, departed not out of the tabernacle. And Moses said unto the Lord, See, thou sayest to me, bring up this people, and thou hast not let me know whom thou wilt send me. He just said, I'll send an angel. He said, but you haven't let me know who you said would, you would send with me. Yet thou hast said, I know thee by name, and thou hast found grace in my sight. Then he says, an incredible statement. Thou, therefore, I pray thee, if I have found grace in thy sight, show me now thy way. I don't want a substitute. I want your way. That I may know thee, that I may find grace in thy sight, and consider that this nation is thy people. And the Lord responded with a powerful statement. In verse 14, he said, my presence shall go with thee, and I will give you rest. Mm. Let that sink in. How many know that there's rest in his presence? 
We often talk about the joy of the Lord is in his presence. But here God said, rest is in my presence. He doesn't say my miracles will go with you. He doesn't say even my word is going to go with you. He doesn't say that I'll give you all kinds of right feelings and, and goosebumps and, and I'll make you happy. My happiness will go with you. Amen. He said my presence. I want to tell you sometime his presence is enough. His presence is enough. I don't have to worry about if I've got doodads running up and down my back or if I've got goosebumps on the goosebumps. I just need to know, can I get in his presence? Lord, if I can get in your presence, I'm going to find rest. Are you having chaos in your mind? Get into his presence. Are you having trouble in your spirit? Get into his presence. Knowing that God goes with us is a peace-inspiring idea in itself. For in his presence, there's a peace that cannot be destroyed. There's a joy that cannot be tarnished. There's a rest that cannot be taken away. Come on and thank him right now for his presence. Thank you for his presence. Moses was so dependent on the presence of the Lord, he said in verse 15, If thy presence go not with me, carry us not up hence. For wherein shall it be known that I and thy people are found grace in thy sight? Is it not that you go with us? So shall we be separated. We'll be different than any other nation. I and thy people from all the people that are upon the face of the earth. And the Lord said unto Moses, I will do this thing also that thou hast spoken for thou hast found grace in my sight. How did he find grace in his sight? By his intercession and his, his pronouncing of judgment on sin. By him taking it out of the camp, doing whatever. The Lord said, you found grace in my sight. I want to thank the Lord because on Calvary, he went outside of the camp, died for my sins, Amen. And if I have the need for repentance, I can go back outside the camp and be with him, hallelujah, and in his presence and find that mercy and find that grace. Then Moses said the statement that is so powerful and we've preached from many times and we'll preach from again. In verse 18, he's already said, Lord, I want your presence to go with me. But then he says, I beseech you. I, I, I want you to hear the agony and the passion in his voice. Lord, I, I, I have to have this. Show me your glory. Show me your glory. Has anybody got that feeling in your life? Oh, God. It, your presence is great. But I want to go another step. I want to see your glory. I want to see the manifestation of your worth, your heaviness, your weightiness. I want to see your glory, Lord. I want to see your glory in 2022 in a world that's gone crazy. I want to see your glory. I want to see your glory on my job, Heavenly Father. I want to see your glory in my life, in my home. Amen. At school. I want to see your glory in my mind. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want the glory. Moses is saying, I want to see an expression 
that shows your true representation of who you are. Here's what the Lord responded in verse 19. He asked to see the glory, and the Lord responded, I will make all my goodness pass before thee, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee, and I will be gracious to whom I will gracious, and I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. God said, you want to see my glory? I'm going to show you my goodness. I'm going to show you my goodness. Hallelujah. Amen. People want to see something great and grand, but the Lord said, I've got something to show you, and that's my goodness. That's my goodness. Hallelujah. We know what Paul said when he wrote to the, the book of Romans to the people at Rome. He said, and we know that all things work together for good. Everybody say, for good. To them that do what? Love God. Love God and who are called according to his purpose. It's his purpose, oh Lord. It's your presence and purpose, God, but I want to see your glory. Amen. And he said, okay, I'll show you my goodness. I want to see your glory. All right, I'll show you my goodness. I'll show you my name. I'll show you my sovereignty. I'll show you who I am. I want to see your glory. Well, I'm going to show you the power of my name. I'm going to show you the power of my goodness. I'm going to show you how my mercy works. <clears throat> Too often we think of glory like our 4th of July fireworks. We're waiting for the grand finale. We're waiting for the grand finale. And we miss the fact that it's been going on for 15 minutes. We're waiting for God to show up in a way. I want to see you, Lord. Uh, if you'll just look around, he's already here. He's already in your life. You're looking for a great miracle and wonderful, woo, and the, and, and, and the angels from glory coming down and, and tickling your nose with their feathers, and you're looking for, woo, wonderful, powerful, amen. But what the Lord wants you to know is that his glory is already with you. His glory is not only with you, it's following you. It's pursuing you. It's coming after you. His glory is his goodness. His goodness is who he is. So that means he's following following me and doing good in my life. That's the glory. <clears throat> no wonder the psalmist would say, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. The glory of the Lord is revealed in his goodness. His goodness. A life that is filled with the goodness of God is filled with the glory of God. I asked you early, or in this message, how many has God been? How many of you God has been good to you? Amen. You raised your hands then. Raise them again. God has been good to you. Well, that means the glory of God is in your life. The glory of God is already around you. The glory of God is already with you. It's in the goodness. Praise God. What the Lord said is, you want to see my glory? Well, you can't see my face because no man can see my face and live. But the Lord said in verse 21, behold, there's a place by me that thou shalt stand upon a rock and it shall come to pass while my glory passeth by 
that I'll put thee in the cleft of the rock and I'll cover thee with my hand. Well, God's hand has got the ocean, so I guess it's big enough to cover him up. I'll cover you with my hand while I pass by. And I will take away my hand and you're going to see my back parts. Well, he said that he would show him his goodness. Hmm. Not really a great, I don't have a degree in, in philosophy, but, but it makes good sense to me that if he's showing him his back parts, he's showing him what has happened previously. What's coming and what has come previously. A lot of people believe that God revealed to him, because it doesn't say how long the Lord showed him his back parts. A lot of people believe, because Moses wrote Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, that God revealed all of this to, the, to him and showed him all that happened from Genesis all the way down. I don't know if that's exactly what happened, but it's interesting. So God showed him the past the back parts, and called it his goodness and his glory. Hmm. The glory of the Lord is revealed in his goodness, and his goodness is coming behind me. So if I can't see it in the future, but I can go back in my past, and if I could look back to yesterday, if I could look back to five minutes ago, if I could look back to five years ago, if I could look back to 1988 when our daughter was born with multiple pneumothoraxes and the doctors didn't give her a chance to live, but somebody prayed. Somebody prayed. On one lung, there was 14 pneumothoraxes, and, and they said they're going to have to do surgery on this little five-pound baby, and, and what in the world are we going to do? We're just kids, and we're crazy about this. You know, it, it messed up our thinking. I messed up mine. Anyway, what do we do? They showed me the pneumothoraxes one day in Indianapolis, Riley Children's Hospital. Went back the next day. And they said, Mr. Gill, we don't know what happened. Show me another x-ray. And they were all gone. I didn't know on the day when the, the, when the x-ray said they were there what was going to happen tomorrow. But now I can look back and say one day it was and one day it wasn't. That's goodness. That's glory. Well, Lord, you're not working in my life. Well, I'm going to go look at his back parts, and I'm going to see what God has done for me. I'm going to see and remember God healed my wife of cancer. I'm going to go back, and I'm going to see that God has touched my back. I'm going to go back and see how God has healed you and you and you and you and how God has moved in your life and, and how God has provided financially for you and how God has kept you and God has kept your kids. Hallelujah. What are you doing? I'm going to remember the glory of God in the goodness of God.
Okay, so you got a bad day. Things are falling apart. You're in the valley of the shadow of death. Boy, this looks bad. This is horrible. But I'm going to turn around. Hey, goodness. Hey, mercy. Thank you for having my back. Thank you for reminding me about what God has done for me. Reminding me about where I've been. And if I, if I went through it yesterday and I overcome, I'm going to overcome tomorrow. I can't see the future. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I don't know what's going to happen with our uh, economy. I don't know what's going to happen with government. I don't know what's going to happen with all of us. But one thing I do know is that he's brought me this far. And it's been his goodness that's walked with me. And he's going to walk with me until the day he says, come up higher. God, he's good. The Lord told Moses to go back up in the mountain and look how this rendition is played out. This event is played out in Exodus 34 and 5. The Lord descended in a cloud. Matter of fact, you study the cloud that followed them by day and the fire that followed by night was not a separate entity. It was God manifesting himself in a cloud and fire. So the Lord descended in a cloud and stood with him there. If Moses had not gone back up the mountain, he would have missed his moment. Sometimes the blessed place you can be to find the power of God is be present. Be present. Be present. Be present. Hallelujah. That's not just about being present at church. That makes a good message. Y'all can, y'all can tie, tie that up in a bow and take it home with you. <laughs> but that means to be present in my worship. Present in my relationship with God. Present when he tells me to go somewhere. And the Lord stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. Can you imagine that interaction face to face? And the Lord of glory is proclaiming his name to Moses. I guarantee you there was some doodads running up down his back then. And the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed the name and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering, abundant in goodness and truth. Keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. What just happened in chapter 32? Sin that was so bad that the Bible just put a slash. But the Lord said, I am abundant in goodness. I forgive sins. Let me just tell you the goodness of God is when I have failed him miserably. And I've messed up beyond messed up. And yet, I've gone to him in repentance, and I've asked his forgiveness, and I changed my direction. You know what happened? Amen. I turned around, and I saw the goodness of God coming after me. I saw the goodness of God pursuing me when I did not deserve it. 
What is it that Paul said? It was the goodness and severity of God that causes us to lead, leads us to the Lord. The goodness and severity of God. He's merciful, gracious, long-suffering, and abundant in goodness and truth. Keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sins that will by no means clear the guilty. This in the iniquity of the fathers and of the children and, 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 and upon the children's children under the third and fourth generation. You know what? If you don't repent, he's still coming after you. And Moses made haste and bowed his head toward the earth and worshiped. He proclaimed the name of the Lord to him. He proclaimed the sovereignty of God to him. Amen. What a wonderful time in his presence. The psalmist said it like this in Psalm 27 and 13. He said, I had fainted. I had fainted. I nearly gave up. I nearly quit. I nearly gave in. Anybody ever been there? I hear people make testimony as I've never thought about leaving the Lord. I want to tell you what, I haven't either, but there's been times I could have. There were times that my heart were faint, weary in mind. I was about to faint. I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. You got to believe. There's going to be a day you turn around and you'll see the goodness of God in his glory. To see the goodness of God, amen, in the land of the living means that wherever I'm at, whatever I'm going through, I can trust I'm going to see the goodness of God. The next verse says, wait on the Lord and be of good courage. And he shall strengthen thy heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Somebody say, Pastor, my life stinks. <laughs> I should have entered a word. Somebody may say. <laughs> That's better. I appreciate you being so obedient. Someone may say, my life stinks. My world's falling apart. I ain't got this, 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 and this, and this, and this, and this, and this, and, and that one left me, and this one abused me, and this one, and this one, and this one, and this, and this, and this, and this, and this. My life stinks. If all of us would look close enough, we could probably all say that. If we look close enough. But I challenge you to quit looking at where your life stinks and start looking around behind you at the back parts of God and see his mercy and goodness has been with you all the time. It's been with you all the time. Amen. He is abundant that he said on the mountain with Moses. He has abundant goodness. Has abundant goodness. In the book of Lamentations chapter 3 and verse 18, and I said, my strength and my hope is perished from the Lord. My life stinks. Remember my affliction and my misery, the wormwood and the gall. My life stinks. My soul still has them in remembrance and is humbled in me. This I recall in my mind, therefore I have hope. What? Huh? It is the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. Because his compassions fail not. 
I remember the woe. I remember the misery. I remember my affliction. But it's the Lord's mercies. It's the goodness of God that I'm not consumed. It's the goodness of God that has kept me and his compassions fail not. Verse 23, they are new every morning. Every morning there's a new batch of mercy and goodness waiting for you. Look around. There's a new batch of mercy and goodness waiting for you. He says, they're new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord then is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore, I have hope in him. Not my problem. I'm not minimizing the fact that I had problems and I had issues and that I remember them and they humbled me. But I also remember this. The Lord's my portion. Not my problems is my portion. The Lord is my portion. And in verse 25, here's the thing I need you to know. The Lord is good unto him that wait for him to the soul that seeketh him. Praise be to God. I've had some life mess ups. I've had some failures, but his mercies have not failed me. His grace has not failed me. The Lord is good. And his goodness pursues me. Look out. It's about to overrun you. He's catching you. Hallelujah. I, I think sometimes you ought to just stop and turn around and let him hit you in the face. With the revelation of his goodness. His goodness. Psalm 77 and 10. I had said this is my infirmity. My life stinks. But I will remember the years of thy right hand of the most high. I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember thy wonders of old. Ooh, you've been good to me, God. You've been good to me. How about remember the time that God protected you when your life was about to go shipwreck? You could be in a a, a situation where you're addicted to drugs, but God. Could be an alcoholic, but God. Remember how God graciously let you grow up in a godly home? Remember how God kept you in a good church? Remember how God brought you? Your your story could be a whole lot different. uh, But remember the goodness of God. Well, my life has been a mess. But if you look behind you, you can see that God was with you. Remember how he sustained you during that time when you didn't have a job? Do you remember that? You remember how how when you lacked things, God was there? Remember those old mentors and Sunday school teachers and people that poured into you when you was a child? I remember Sister Lois DeGraff, amen, was one of my Sunday school teachers when I was just a young whippersnapper, but I'll never forget I'll forget the lessons that she taught, but I won't forget what she made me feel like and that I can live for God, that I can go forward. Amen. I remember Sister Bell, one of my Sunday school teachers, as a child. I thank God for the goodness of the Lord that he put me in a place where I can learn about God. Amen. You ought to be thankful for where you are, not what you don't have and how bad it is and how life stinks and how everything is such a turn around. There's a goodness of God. Some of us are much better off than we were 10 years ago, five years ago, one year ago. We're good because of the goodness of God. 
about the goodness of God. We've had family that interceded and prayed for us when we didn't deserve it. How about the goodness of God when we were sick and he touched our body? How about the goodness of God, Sister Teresa, when you were in that hospital room and his hand touched you on the back? Just look around. He's right there. He's right there. How about the goodness of God? Devil, you've come too late to tell me that God is not a healer. I don't care what the YouTube channel says about all those fakes. They are sounding brass and tinkling cymbal. But I know for a fact, my God has led me through the darkest of times. And he's been faithful. Hallelujah. Remember that. Look around behind you and see the goodness of God when you had no money. And you went to the post office and the envelope just happened to be there with some money. Or somebody slipped some money in your hand that got you to where you needed to go. Amen. The goodness of the Lord. The goodness of the Lord is that he's never failed me. He's been there all the time. I may not have eaten steak, but I sure have eaten. Remember. The Lord is my shepherd, Psalm 23 begins with, I shall not want. Why? His goodness is coming after me. His goodness is coming after me. He makes me lie down in green pasture. Hallelujah. He's got this. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leadeth me the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, your correction and your protection comforts me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runneth over. That's why he could say, Surely, goodness and mercy has followed me all the days of my life. My father could sit down and tell story after story about how God had been with him. I've seen many of those. I know what it is to watch cancer fall off a neck right there and you see it and be gone. I know what it is to see the dead be brought back to life by prayer. I've watched it with my own eyes. I know what it is to see legs that were shorter, one shorter than the other leg grow out instantly. I know what it is. Watched it. I also know what it is to watch my dad weep and pray with my mom and my mom never get healed. But they would tell you today if they could stand before you, God's been good to us. God has been good to us. God has been good to us. Amen. God has been good to you. God has been good to you. Why are you going to waste your time worrying about what's happening tomorrow? He's been good to you today. He's going to take care of you tomorrow. Somebody say amen. amen. If you said amen, stand up. Praise God. Hallelujah. God has been good to us. And if you don't think the Lord has been good to you, you're just not looking back far enough to see what he's done. You're not turned back far enough to see what the Lord has done. Hallelujah. Praise be to God. Praise be to God. Amen. 
If there's anybody in this church that could tell some sad stories, these girls sitting right here on the front row could tell you some of the most difficult things. But they what? They're on the front row, worshiping and praising God, giving glory to God, singing in the choir, singing in the praise team. Why? Somewhere they had to learn. If I'll look back, I will see the goodness of God, that he had his hand in my life everywhere I went. His mercies did not fail me. My emotions have failed me. My thoughts about what it would be and could be and should be have failed me. But his goodness is still pursuing me today. Can you lift your hands to see? Thank you for listening to the MPC podcast. We trust that today's message has inspired you, encouraged you, and strengthened you in the Lord. We would like to invite you to join us again by simply subscribing to our podcast, and we encourage you to write a review if it has been a blessing to you. Again, you can find us at medorchurch.com to learn more about our ministry.